This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Let's talk a little bit about the story of Joseph. You remember how that Joseph had these dreams. He was highly favored of his father. It means there was something about him that drew, drew his father to him, much more so than his other children. And uh, he had this coat of many colors, and, and it was, he was, it was his dad's favorite. No two ways about it. And the other brothers knew it. There were 12 of them. He was the 11th in line. And the other brothers knew that their dad liked him better. That, that was clearly evident by the clothes that he gave Joseph as opposed to what he provided for them. It didn't create for a real healthy family situation. I mean, this is a dysfunctional family. And then Joseph starts having dreams. And he comes out to the field and tells his brothers, hey, guys, I had a dream last night. We were all gathering wheat and, and uh, you know, putting our stalks together. And all of a sudden, my stalks stood up higher than the rest of yours. And yours all bowed down before mine. What a blessing to the other ten. <laughs> Man, Joseph, that is great. Tell us if you get some more of those dreams, would you? And then he says, well, I did have another one. And this time, the sun and the moon and all 11 of you other stars bowed down to me. And even his father got upset about that one. He said, your mother and I are supposed to bow down before you? There's probably a better way he could have gone about communicating that. Or maybe the, the, the wisest thing would have been not to communicate that. Sometimes the things God gives you are just for you, not for other people. So... Jacob, who later becomes Israel, says of Joseph, Joseph, uh, these dreams, I'm not sure about these dreams, but you're still my favorite. And so I'm going to put you in charge of keeping an eye on your older brothers. That's another thing that would foster a lot of trust in the family, I guess. And so Joseph readily takes this position. And his brothers can't stand it. This little pipsqueak younger brother has been in, put in charge of all the rest of us. What has he done? And folks, the, the real, the truth is, he's done nothing. He's just daddy's favorite. And so they try to get away from him. They take the flocks to where he can't, doesn't know where they are. But finally he finds them. He asks somebody, I'm looking for my brothers and their flocks. Do you know where they are? Yeah, they were here and then they went down to Dothan. So he starts coming. They see him a long way off. And before he ever gets there, the brothers start plotting against him. And they say, all right. We've had enough of this. We're way away from home now. Nobody would know what happens in the wilderness stays in the wilderness. <laughs> so let's do this. Let's take the guy and kill him and tell daddy that a wild beast got him. I mean, this is the real deal. They're finally planning to do this. But one of the brothers, I believe it was Reuben, one of the brothers said, oh, let's don't do that. Let's throw him in a pit. We don't have to kill him. Let's just put him in a pit. We'll scare the bejeebers out of him. Well, that's what they do. They throw Joseph in the pit, take his coat. And he and, and later on in the story, Joseph talks about how anguished he was. The, uh, the, and even the brothers recognize that we didn't listen to the anguish of his soul when he was begging us to let him out of this pit. Then one of the brothers, Judah sees a caravan coming down the way and says, wait a minute, how's it going to profit us 
to either leave him in the pit or to kill him. Let's make some money off this guy. So they sell him. They sell him to the traders. The traders wind up taking him to Egypt. He winds up being purchased by uh, a captain in Pharaoh's army named Potiphar. And, and that turns out to be not such a bad thing because the Lord prospers him. They take, his brothers take the coat, put blood on it, and take the coat back to the father. Now, the, the, the brothers, if you read the story carefully, the brothers are not the ones that say Joseph was killed by a wild animal. They took the coat to their father and say, Dad, you're the only one that can tell us for sure, is this Joseph's coat? And that's when Jacob says, oh, my goodness, it is Joseph's coat. I guess a wild animal got him. So they didn't lie to him. They set the lie up, but they really didn't say it. It's going to be interesting later on in the story. So Joseph winds up being in Potiphar's house. God prospers whatever he does. He blesses his hands. And so he winds up being in charge of everything that belongs to Potiphar. But Potiphar's wife starts looking at Joseph and says, boy, you are a good-looking kid. Why don't you come in here? Husband's gone. Why don't you come have sex with me? The Bible says this happened day after day after day, and Joseph kept saying no. It says that he would not lie with her or be with her. In other words, he didn't play word games. He didn't say, well, okay, it would be wrong for us to have sex, but maybe we can fool around for a little bit. He resisted. He said, it's not right for me to, to, to do this against my master who's put everything in my hands, and it would be a sin against God for me to do this. How in the world does Joseph, as a 17-year-old kid, how in the world does Joseph have the strength of character to hold himself steady in a situation like that? That's why I say I have a little problem with Joseph's story. I believe it to be true, but I have a hard time relating to this guy. I mean, I had years and years of, if you do this, God will get you, and still had trouble. <laughs> what did Joseph have? This is a real guy, folks. I mean, there's really something to him inside. So, you know the story. She wound up lying to her husband, taking the garment. He had fled to, to get away from her one day. She took his garment and said, he tried to rape me. So Potiphar has him thrown into prison. Well, in prison, the hand of God was still upon him. And so he became in charge of everything that happened in prison. The jailer said, man, you can handle this. Run this for yourself. So he's still being elevated, although being a big dog in prison is not really a great position. He's still in prison. He's still in the dungeon. And then you remember what happens in the story. Pharaoh gets mad at his baker and his butler. And so they come down into the lower prison under Joseph's care. One day they, Joseph sees them, and they're, all, they're both down in the mouth, sad about something. So he says, what are you upset about? And they said, we both had dreams, and we don't know what the dreams mean. And so Joseph said, well, God uses me like this. Tell me what the dreams mean. So he interpreted both the baker and the butler's dream. He interpreted the butler's dream to be in three days, Pharaoh will bring you back into his house and restore your position. The baker hears that and says, oh, wow, these are good dreams. I'll tell him mine too. So he does. And Joseph says, well, that, your dream means in three days Pharaoh's going to cut off your head. <laughs> Good news, huh? Now, I want you to see something about this part of the story. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, Genesis chapter 41. Yeah. It, this is where he's uh, interpreting the uh, the... Uh, butler's dream, the cupbearer's dream. 
Verse 13, he said, Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up your head and restore thee into thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after former manner when thou wast his butler. But, verse 14 is what I want you to see. Verse 14, 15. But think on me, or remember me, when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me. And make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. In other words, bring me out of jail, out of dungeon. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Now, that seems pretty benign, really. Because Joseph is just simply stating facts. He's saying, look, I never did anything wrong. I'm an innocent guy in prison. I know most guys in prison say they are, but I really am. I haven't done anything. I didn't do anything wrong to become a slave in Egypt to begin with. And then I didn't do anything wrong when I was a slave to Potiphar, his servant, to be cast into the dungeon. So remember me. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing School is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Here's why the Word of God is the power of God, because it reveals God's will. When you can find God's words on a subject, whether it's healing, whether it's finances, whether it's peace, whatever area you have need of, you find what God's Word says, you've just found God's will in that area. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. So Joseph just says, remember me. For indeed, verse 15 again, for indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Well, then it goes, chapter 41, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by a river. Two more years go by. Now, these are two years that, that uh, what's his name, Joseph, has the opportunity to say, that lousy butler. Man, I helped him, and look at what he's done. He wouldn't be there if it wasn't for me. And now he forgot me. But Pharaoh dreams a dream. And Pharaoh's had him in a real hard time with this dream. He dreams two dreams, actually. Turn out to be the same dream, just in two different forms. But he's having a hard time. And finally, the butler hears about it. And the, the magicians and the, 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 the advisors and all the people that Pharaoh looks to, nobody can give him an answer. And the butler says, dreams, dreams. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pharaoh, I, I should have told you about this before. But there's this guy in prison. Which is always where you go for answers. <laughs> There's this guy in prison and he's got interpretations of dreams and he can tell you. So they bring Joseph in and Joseph interprets the dream. The dream is seven years of plenty eaten up by seven years of famine. And so Joseph comes to the place where he says, gives Pharaoh advice. Verse 33 of chapter 41. He says, now therefore... Let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt into the seven plenteous years. And let them gather of the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And all that food shall be of the, for store to the land against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through the famine. Now Pharaoh winds up picking Joseph to be that guy. 
But notice what Joseph does not do. He does not have the same attitude that he had about the dreams. He does not say, now I understand the plan of God. Pharaoh, God sent me here to be the ruler. I've had dreams. God has shown me that even my own brothers and sister, or my own brothers and my father and my mother would bow down before me. Now I know what God intended all along. His attitude seems to be different. If he took the same attitude when he was 17 with his brothers that he's taking now with Pharaoh, he might not have had such a conflict with his brothers. So you can certainly see some growth as you would expect. I mean, I grew a lot between 17 and 30, didn't you? At 17, I knew everything. Then I started learning. I think that's the way it is for most of us. So certainly he has grown, but even in the last two years, he's a different guy. Now he's letting God work it out rather than trying to work things out on his own. Two years go by. Joseph is in charge of all of the land of Egypt. Only in the the throne is uh, Pharaoh greater than him. Two years go by and then his brothers come to him from the land of Canaan. There's no food there. And so his brothers come in, and you remember the story. We won't read a lot of it. A couple of verses I want to pick out. But you remember the story how that his brothers came in, and first he made himself unknown to them, made sure that they didn't understand, know who he was. They certainly wouldn't have been expecting to see him. But they, he made sure that they didn't know who he was, and he accused them of being spies. And he dealt with them real roughly. And so he, he winds up letting them go back to their father, and, uh, but he keeps one brother back. He keeps Simeon back. And he puts the money back in. He has the servants put the money back in the bags so that when they finally get back home, they open the, the bags. They've got the corn that they went to buy, but then their money is back in there too. And they think, oh, man, we are really, really in trouble now because this guy's going to think we stole it and we didn't have anything to do with this. What in the world is going on? Now, I want you to read a couple of verses with me. It says uh, um, part of the, the deal that Joseph made was he was going to keep Simeon, hold back one of his brothers, so that he would bring uh, the youngest brother that told him about, Benjamin, which was his real brother. And so it says, uh, beginning in verse 20, Genesis chapter 42, beginning in verse 20. Here's the deal. Um, Well, let's back up in, uh, in verse 19. He says, if you be true men, not spies in other words, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses. But bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. And they, here's the brothers speaking to each other, and they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. That's when they threw him into the pit, and he was begging them to let him out. They said, This has all come upon us because we wouldn't listen to our younger brother. And Reuben answered and said, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you would not hear? Therefore, behold, all his blood is required. Also his blood is required. Here's Reuben trying to, trying to say, I told you so, I told you so. I tried to keep you guys from doing this, and y'all sold him when I was away. And they knew not, verse 23, they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept, and returned to them again and communed with them, and took from them Simeon and bound them before their eyes. Now, folks, I want you to see something about forgiveness. Here's what real forgiveness is. 
I doubt very seriously if several years, as, as soon as several years before, Joseph would have had the same magnanimous spirit. I doubt that he would have taken the same position of not pressing against them rigorously to judge them for their actions, even though he had a right to. If they had come and found him in prison, I doubt that he would have had the same attitude that he had now. So there's something that's changed in him. God's done a work in Joseph that's remarkable because he is not, even though he's testing them to see what kind of men they are, and that's what the Bible says, that that's why he did all these things, went through all these different, um, you know, schemes and stuff like that with them. He's not trying to punish them. He's just trying to identify what kind of men are these? Have they forgotten what they did to me? Is this something that they recall? Is this something they recognize their sin? Would they do it again with one of their other brothers? They're trying to, he's trying to identify who they are, but he's not trying to punish them for what they did. Here's an example of perfect love. So they go back and when they get home, they find out the, the money's in their bags as well. And so they say, oh my goodness, here we were. We we're supposed to go right home, drop the food off, turn around, bring Benjamin back and then everything would be all right. But, but their father, Jacob, wouldn't let them go back. He said, no, you've already cost me two sons. Joseph's dead. Now Simeon's taken. He's being held prisoner in Egypt. I'm not going to let you take my, my Benjamin. He's my favorite since Joseph is gone. He's the youngest. So I'm not going to let you go back. So they stay at home until the food runs out. And then they have to go back because they're the only, Egypt's the only place there's food. So they call, talk their father into finally doing it. The different brothers say, I'll make a pledge. Kill my sons if, if Benjamin doesn't come back. Like that's going to help anything. And then Judah says, my family will be your servants forever if we don't come back. Like that's going to help anything. Finally, they take Benjamin. Now you remember the story. They get, to, they get back to the palace. One of the brothers said, if we hadn't waited, we could have already been back, taken Benjamin back and already been back for good by now. But it says that when they took Benjamin in, Joseph treats Benjamin very well. And he says, okay, this is great. You guys uh, told the truth about your brother and, and so forth. And, uh, and so they, he has a great big feast for him. And then he sends him away. But then you remember he puts the cup, the, the silver cup or whatever it was, in Benjamin's sack. And so it, the, his uh, servants overtake the caravan on their way out from the, the palace and say, which one of you stole the silver cup? And all the brothers said, no, not us, not us. We're innocent. If, we're, if you found the cup with us, then we would be your servants forever, and the person that stole it should be worthy of death. So Joseph says, okay, we'll do it your way. And they find it in Benjamin's sack. Now the guys are in real distress because they've made pledges of their own families and so forth regarding Benjamin. And so it says that they come before Joseph and, and verse 40 or chapter 45 is what I want you to, to really see now. After Joseph has questioned them and, and they're making all kinds of deals and saying, you know, take me but send Benjamin home because my father, we can't, it'll kill our father if we, if, uh, if Benjamin is lost and so forth. Totally different attitude now than they had some 13 years before too, right? Chapter 45, verse 1, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians and all the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. 
Does my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled. Literally, the word is terrified at his presence. Now, all this stuff's been going on. These guys have been going back and forth from favor into trouble in Joseph's house. And finally, Joseph says, I'm Joseph. And they look at each other and say, oh, snap. Because up to this point, it's just been these things have come upon us because of our own actions, because of the things that we did against Joseph. Now this is Joseph. And it's like, oh, brother, he's going to kill us. Let me show you what true forgiveness does. True forgiveness doesn't try to intimidate. True forgiveness doesn't try to exact revenge. They're terrified. They can't even answer. Joseph, this is you. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, and I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Here's forgiveness, folks. Here's the example of forgiveness, us forgiving others as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. These guys have not, they don't even have time to say, Joseph, we're really sorry about what we did. He's not looking for them to do it. He doesn't stand there as the ruler of Egypt and say, what do you have to say for yourself now? We could fill this room with soldiers. Then what? None of that. He says, don't be upset with yourselves. Because God had a plan in this. God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years has the famine been in the land. That means Joseph has been in charge for two years. Or maybe a little bit more than two. And yet there are five years in which there shall be neither earring nor harvest. I just messed up on the math. He's been in charge for seven years plus two years of the famine plus maybe a year before it took place. So he's been in charge of, uh, of Egypt for about ten years. So at this point he would be, what, almost 40 years old? Verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth to save your lives by great deliverance. So now that it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go up to my father and say. Now here's where it gets interesting. He does not ask them, What did you ever tell daddy about me? He does not tell them, go to Joseph or go to, to Jacob and tell them what evil you did all those years ago. He doesn't do anything. He says, go tell dad this. God's made me ruler of Egypt. I've got a place for you. I've got a land for you and your servants and all of those that you have with you to live. I'll take care of you. That's all he tells them to tell him. That's what true forgiveness does, folks. True forgiveness is not only not trying to get back at them, True forgiveness doesn't even try to reveal or expose what wrong was done. You remember in, uh, in John chapter 20, uh, after the crucifixion, Jesus is raised from the dead and Jesus appears in the midst of them. They're behind closed doors. The Bible says that they're behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. Remember the story? And Jesus appears to them and says, I can't believe you deserted me at the cross. No, he doesn't. 
He doesn't say, you know, God had a plan for you, but you guys ran away and did me wrong. He appears before them and says, peace be unto you. Receive the Holy Ghost. Then he commissions them to go out. Whosoever your sins you remit, they shall be remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they shall be retained. He's giving them commission to go preach the good news unto the remission of sins. True forgiveness, the way that Jesus forgave us, is that he doesn't even remind us of what we did wrong. It's not even a requirement for us to fall down on our face and grovel and say how bad we were in what we did. So if we're going to forgive as others forgive others as Christ forgave us, that means we're going to have to follow the same example. Joseph is a great example for us to follow, and he didn't even have the Holy Ghost in him. Now here's something else about this. They wind up living out their lives. Chapter 50 tells us about how that uh, at the end of uh, uh, Jacob's life, he lays hands on Joseph's children and, and prays over them and so forth, and then they, he dies and they wind up burying him. Chapter 50 tells us something about the, uh, uh, about the brothers. Um, verse 14, it says, And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father after that he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger. Now, this is about 15 years beyond. They've been living there for about 15 or so years, maybe even more than that. And the, and the brothers are still living under the guilt of what they did. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, Your father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespasses of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they said that unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Don't be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Is it up to me to judge you? Folks, here's what real forgiveness does. Number one, forgiveness is forever. And secondly, forgiveness doesn't try to take God's place. Forgiveness relinquishes the right to punish. But as for you, verse 20, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring it to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Notice who's not being held back by this situation. Joseph's the one that's free. He's, got, he's the one that has the right, every right, to hold a problem, hold the grudge against his brothers. He has every right to exact judgment on his brothers. And his brothers lie about it. His brothers try to tell him through a servant, here's what daddy wanted, here's what daddy told us. Well, that's a lie. If his father had wanted him to do that, his father would have said that to him, not through a servant. And certainly not to his brothers. Joseph knows this is a lie. So my point is simply this, the one who's free is the one that forgives. Forgiveness is the real test of the love of God because people are going to offend us and we're going to get our feelings hurt. But forgiveness is about making a decision to let the love of God dominate us instead of walking according to how we feel. Thanks for being with us today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. 
So faith begins where the will of God is known. God's word reveals his will to you. And once you know his will, there is nothing that can stop you from receiving what God has for you. That is the number one problem, the number one objection that everybody has, no matter what the area is, healing or whatever, that is the number one objection that people have. They don't know if it's God's will for them. Well, how are we going to find out? The answer is in the Word. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.